Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. Uh, I don't know, most of you can probably remember when GPS became like a thing, because uh, it wasn't always a thing. Uh, I can remember I, when I was started to drive, the big thing was a TomTom, right? Does anybody remember the TomTom? Uh, and so TomTom was a thing, and it was this like, you know, this clunky thing. You saw it in the video. You'd set it on your dash, and you'd type in the directions beforehand, and you'd be off on your way. Uh, so my dad asked me uh, if I wanted the TomTom, because the school I was going to go to was about uh, 10 hours away, and there was no real long stretch of the road. It wasn't like you just, you hop on the interstate for 10 hours, and then you're there. Uh, there was a lot of turns. So my dad, you know, knowing me as a son, saying, you know what, he's uh, a little directionally challenged at times. Uh, he probably needs a little extra help. And But I knew that, you know, this technology, like the smartphone, was starting to come out. And I, I just had this idea that, you know, the TomTom probably wasn't going to stick around for very long. And it wouldn't be like a great investment. Well, it turned out to be true, right, because your phone can, can do all of that. Uh, but I can remember sitting in the car with my printed out MapQuest directions. If you remember MapQuest, I still use it because it's, you know, whatever. Um, but I remember sitting out there and I was driving on my way to school, following my directions. And my school was in Missouri. I lived in Alabama. And, and wouldn't you know, I, I ended up in Missouri. I did. <laughs> Three hours away from where I was supposed to be. I was on the opposite side of Missouri because I had missed one very important direction. And I was really sad. So what was a 10-hour trip turned into a 14-hour trip. Now, before you think I can't do math, right? Three plus 10 should be 13. I told you I'm directionally challenged, right? And so it took me a whole extra hour to fix the other mistakes I made and trying to find my way back to where I was supposed to be. But that was before our phones became so good to us, right? And so our phones, we pull them out and like, I'm guilty of this. And I don't even like know the city as well as you should, because uh, if there's a place that I want to go and I'm not quite sure how to get there, rather than using my brain, I just type it in and, and we get there. Uh, but GPS has come a long way. I grew up in the deep south in the middle of nowhere where you could say that you had to go to town, towards town, to go hunting, right? Like that's like, that's where I lived, in the middle of nowhere. And so uh, the GPS back in the day when it was first starting uh, wasn't always perfect, meaning that there were roads that were not on there. I don't know if any of you remember that. If someone would tell you, hey, uh, I want you to come maybe to a party or whatever at my house, a Christmas party, whatever it would be, and say, now the, the GPS will only get you so far because my road's not actually listed, right? And so then they'd have to like give you uh, interesting directions. So, so what's funny is um, it, you can really tell a lot about a person, right? You can tell uh, whether or not they're very tech savvy or, you know, it, you can tell what generation they're from by the way they give you directions, right? Uh, and so like if you're, uh, if someone's asking you, hey, if I ask someone, I want directions to your house, uh, what I really mean is I just want your address, right? Because as soon as you start to tell me a bunch of directions, my mind is like, where's the address I can type in, right? And so, I, like, unfortunately, this is bad, but I'm admitting, I, like, am not listening to all your left stops, like, right by the Walmart and all that stuff. I'm not listening to that. I'm waiting for the address. I'm waiting for the little bit that I can click in. And so, you know, whenever someone would tell me that, their house wasn't listed, their road wasn't listed, then, you know, you had an issue and you had to really pay attention. Well, we've gotten rid of most of that, right? Because 
iPhone knows where you're at at all times and stuff like that. Uh, but and we've gotten rid of most of that. But now the major issue that you'll run into is whenever our wonderful city governments decide to redo the infrastructure of the roads, right? And you're one of the unlucky few that shows up first when they've set up the detour, right? And so your maps will tell you to continue straight into that barrier that is now set up, right? And what you need to do is actually you need to re-engage your brain and follow the signs for the detour and go that way. And so these are some interesting moments. Most of the errors from GPS nowadays is like you typed in the wrong address, right? That's most of the problems that you have. But every now and then, uh, if you're like me, you'll decide that you're smarter than your phone, you're smarter than the satellite technology, and that you know the quicker way to get somewhere. And, and when you decide that, when you decide that you're smarter than your phone, you have a couple of options, right? Number one, you can turn that thing off, right? You can just turn it off and say, Siri or whatever you use, I know how to get where I need to go. Leave me alone. That sort of makes sense. I had said Siri. I knew it was going to happen. All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's really funny. Uh, the second thing that you can do, right, is that you can just force your iPhone, force your mapping equipment to reroute, right? And the way that you do that is you just get on the other road and you keep driving and you ignore that nagging voice that tells you to proceed to the root, right? You just ignore it, ignore it, ignore it until a couple of miles later, you win over the technology and it reroutes you onto the path that you want to go, right? And so this is what you do when you find yourself and your physical GPS is leading you down a path you don't want to go. The question that we face in our faith walk is what do we do when we find ourselves on a path we don't want to be on? What do we do when God seems to be leading us down a path we're not interested in? Now, this is a conversation largely for those who are in the faith this morning. So if you're on the edge and you're not sure where you are with Jesus, just listen. Just listen in and, and enjoy the conversation. And in the end, we'll talk about how you actually get to be on the path with God. But for most of this sermon, the conversation is for those who are trying to follow God. Well, what do you do if you're trying to follow God and you find yourself on a path you don't want to be on? What do you do when the GPS is leading you down weird, weird roads? I can remember a time in my life where this seemed to be happening. Uh, I've told this story a little bit before. Where my grandfather, when I was in college, uh, he was in seemingly good health. He went and played a round of golf. By that evening, he was in the hospital, and within three weeks, he had passed away. Uh, and it, was, it rocked my world. Uh, I would go, every time I went home, I would play a round of golf with him. Uh, and he was, he was literally a, a friend, right? If you had a grandfather or a grandmother who's a friend, there's a special relationship there. And so it, it really rocked my world. And what really, what really added to the stress of this moment was the fact that my other grandfather, we found out recently, had Alzheimer's at the time. And so I knew that no matter how long his physical body remained with us, his mind had a limited amount of time to be really functioning with us. And then you know the story of my dad who has leukemia. And it's 15 years now, and there's so many miracles of what God has done. But this was about year seven of my dad's battle with leukemia. And he had already been through two different medicines that had quit working. 
And right around the time that my grandfather passed away, my dad's medicine was having this really vicious side effect where his lungs were filling up with fluid. He actually got into a really bad wreck because he was having such a bad coughing fit right around the time of my grandfather's funeral. And this was a really, really discouraging time in my life. Uh, I was an emotional wreck. And so I went back to school. I was in a Bible college, and I talked to our campus pastor. And I remember telling him, I, I don't know what God's doing. I don't like it. I don't like it. Because it seems to me that within a year, I could be without the three most important men in my life. The three men who have had the biggest influence on who I will become in my life could be gone. And I could be a 21-year-old kid and be the last man standing in my family. And I just told this pastor, I don't like it. I don't like what God's doing and I don't understand it. I would love to tell you that there was some like epiphany that he gave me, that I remember some quote, but I, I know him well and I remember what he must have said was, you know, just be faithful to God. He will see you through this, right? Because that's about all you can say in those moments. And I would love to tell you that I sort of buckled down and said, you know what, God, you are good no matter what. I'm going to keep walking. I didn't quite do it that way. Instead, I did it more like this. God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't really have anywhere else to go. So I'll keep walking. There was no this like big courage and big bold faith. It was... I don't like it, but I don't know what else to do. And I find comfort that, that Scripture gives us precedence for this. In John chapter 6, the disciples have just heard a really tough teaching from Jesus. And the Bible tells us that many who were following Jesus actually left him at this moment. And Jesus turns to them and says, what about you? Do you want to stick with me? And they don't say, yeah, Jesus, you're good. We will follow you because we believe you. Their answer is, where else would we go? Where else would we go? You have the words of life, and, and that's it. So in this moment, when the disciples were the few, the few that remained, their faith was more along the lines of, I don't know where else to go, God. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're in a stage of life where you don't really like it, right? You're trying to follow God, but you don't really like where you are. You don't like the situations in your life. I want you to know that it's okay sometimes to get through a season by just saying, God, I don't like this. I don't really have anywhere else to go, so I'm going to walk with you. That's okay. It's not okay to stay there forever, but it's okay for a short time to say, God, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to stick this out. So what do you do when it seems that God is leading you down a path you don't want to be on? What do we do? The Bible shows us a number of different stories that we could pull from this morning, but I want us to focus on perhaps uh, the classic one. It's the story of the Exodus. It's the story of ancient Israel having to follow God down a path that, quite frankly, they didn't really want to be on. So if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13, we will read this together, starting in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go. So this is right after they've been let go out of Egypt. They're starting on their journey. And this should be a fantastic moment. It says, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert, or desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. 
Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. This is a crazy passage. This is an interesting, interesting story, and it teaches us a few lessons. And so this morning, as we ask this question, what do we do when God is leading us down paths we don't want? I think there's a few lessons for us here. First, we need to recognize that God may intentionally lead you down a longer route than is physically necessary. That God may intentionally lead you down a route that is longer than is physically necessary. This passage tells us that God didn't let them go through Philistine country, though it was shorter. Okay, now I want to pull something out. I want to do a little, little technology here. We'll see if it works. It worked in the first service. It'll be good. Okay, so this is a picture of the promised land of their journey from there. So you can see right here, we're going to give this a shot. You can see right here is where they are, Egypt. You see the little dot? We see that? All right, here we go. We're working. So you can see all these red lines. That's where they actually went. All these boxes show us the passages that tell us where they went, right? But I want you to notice what they could have done, okay? They could have gone from here straight up to here. Oh, boom. Now, if you look at those red lines, they do not go in a straight line, right? And if you know anything about geometry, you know that this was not the shortest path. This is pretty crazy. Now, you might think, well, Tyler, they needed to have resources, and they were in a desert, right? And so, you know, they, they needed to follow the water. Well, I want you to notice something with me. Um, there's this whole thing right here called the Great Sea, right there. So they could have hugged that coastline, boiled their salt water, and been there in a couple weeks, right? They could have done that real easily, but they didn't do it, right? And this is a really difficult and interesting thing that that God led them on this really crazy route, right? But for a purpose, for a purpose. You see, God knew that if he had led them through Philistine country, they would have encountered things that they weren't ready for. They would have encountered battle. And God says that if they encounter battle, they will return to Egypt. Now, if you know the story, you know that this is a common thing. The Israelites say, it was better than Egypt, it would have been better if we just would have stayed there. Moses, you brought us out here to die, right? And so God is totally right that Egypt like, had a special weird place in their heart, right? They had been there in slavery for 400 years, and yet if they had faced battle, and the moment things get tough, they'd rather go back to their old life than to wait for what it is that God's doing with their new life. And I think that's the same with us, right? That God might be leading you down this path that isn't as straight as you would like it to be because he knows that if you encounter certain things in your life right now, you will just go back to your old life. See, Egypt represents sort of slavery and bondage in the Bible. And God knows that if you encounter certain things, you'll just walk right back into bondage and slavery, right? And so that's why it's a good thing when you get saved out of something to take a really good long time before you allow yourself back around it, 
right? If alcohol is an issue, you should not be up in the bars witnessing for a little while, right? If, if like, whatever it is, if cigarettes is an issue, you should not be hanging out in, like, the smoking section. Not that they have those in restaurants anymore, but you know what I mean, right? Like, you should not be around all of that. You should sort of distance yourself until the vice, whatever it is in your life, has sort of lost its grip on you, right? And so God might be leading you down a path that is confusing to you, but you need to trust that what God is doing is actually working some things out of your life so that the good and the new things can take hold, right? Because we all know that we have certain things that sort of have roots in our lives, and they need to be uprooted. And the other good soil, the good seed that God has, needs to take time to take root in our lives and to produce good and virtuous fruit. And sometimes that takes longer than we want. You see, God may lead us down a path that takes longer than we think. We may think that it's a diversion. We may think that, like, God, you've got us here by the Red Sea. You've got me here at this job. You've got me here in this friendship, and I don't understand it. And you may think it's a diversion from where you really need to be in your life, but it might actually just be God's direction for you. Your diversion might actually be God's direction. Right? You can imagine a situation where you, you thought you needed to take a job, but in the reality is God didn't want you to do that. God instead wanted you to follow his path because he knows where he's leading you and he knows the pitfalls that are in your life and his plan is to guide you around those pitfalls so that you get to where he wants you to be intact. So, the first thing that we learn from ancient Israel is to recognize that God's ways are not our ways and his path might be longer than we think it needs to be. The second thing that I think we learn from this passage when we struggle with what to do is that we learn that we need to follow God even when it seems counterintuitive. You know, follow God even when it doesn't seem to make sense. Now, the story of the ancient Israelites is a story that gets preached on all the time. There are all sorts of passages that get pulled out. And one of the favorite passages to pull out is the stories about Israel murmuring, right? And all they're like, they bicker and they, uh, they get upset and they whine. And if you hear some sermons, you just think, that's what the Israelites did. They just whine about what God's doing. They're not grateful and we should be grateful. And that's the lesson that we take away. And, and that's a good lesson in doses, and that's fine. But I want you to stop and actually think about what's happening here. We read in these last couple of verses, in verse 21 and 22, what they were doing, right? And so let's read that together, verse 21 and 22. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, that's crazy, right? You're just wandering out in the desert following clouds, right? Now, we have, like, cloud storm chasers and stuff like that, but, like, this is a whole different category. You see a cloud in front of you, and you just wander after it, right? Now, you might be more inclined to do it if that cloud turns to fire at night. Like, I give you that. Like, I might be, like, interested to see what that is. But in general, like, that's weird. It's weird to take your GPS from a cloud, it's a little bit weird to do that. And so it's ancient Israel following God. And this is to their credit, right? That they, they obey. 
they obey. This is a weird way to do it. This doesn't seem to make sense. Like, uh, if the promised land is over here, that cloud is going in the opposite direction, right? So it's like when you get on the interstate and you're going somewhere and your GPS, for whatever reason, tells you that you need to go 10 miles on 40 west when you really know that your direction is ultimately in the east, right? It's like, what are we doing here? Why are we going this way? And this is what Israel is facing. They're following this cloud and they do it. And, and in this passage, they, they do it without question, they don't turn off the GPS. They don't turn off. They don't ignore what God's doing. Instead, they actually follow him. What's abnormal in your life? Like, what's abnormal? What happens in your life that doesn't seem to make sense? Like, when was the last time maybe you got a call from a long-lost friend, and what they had to talk to you about was, like, weirdly important for your life? When was the last time that maybe you thought that you were going to have a promotion? And for whatever reason, God told you not to take the promotion. And for whatever reason, though it was a pay raise, you obeyed God against your better judgment, only to find out a couple months later that they dissolved the position and that you would be without work. What's abnormal in your life that God might be using to direct your steps? You see, if there's something weird happening, you can chalk it up to being weird, or you could say, God, is there something here? Is there something that you're teaching me? I want to tell you a story about a time that something weird happened in my life, and it has to do with how I'm actually here today. Uh, a number of years ago, we were in Texas. My wife and I we were living there, and it was early one morning, and my wife wanted to be asleep, but as happens from time to time, I snored. Not often, not all the time but usually, right? Uh, and so I was snoring and I woke her up and she was mad. Now, I didn't even know about this, but she was mad because she couldn't go back to sleep because let's just say it wasn't like a peaceful snore. Uh, and so anyways, she wakes up and she's like, well, fine, I will go to spin class because we had a spin class on the campus where we were. And so she goes there and uh, she's a little mad and she's like, you know, if we wanted to spiritualize it for a second, she's like, God, why am I up? Why can't my husband have to get out of bed? Because he's the one that snored, right? Uh, and so she ends up there, and she meets an acquaintance of Pastor Shane and Jamie's. And this acquaintance knows at this point that, that me and Julie are going to be moving out here to go to school at Duke. And she says, hey, you're going to move to North Carolina. We have some friends out there. I want you to meet them. Right? And so we met them, and I went out, and I got coffee with Pastor Shane and one of their family friends. And then we came to the church, and we fell in love with the church. And then before we knew it, we ended up getting on staff here, being invited to be pastors here. And so what happened is my wife's, like, frustration at me snoring, right? What ended up happening is her being on a path that she didn't want to be on ultimately led us to a place where God wanted us to be. Now, that's lighthearted, right? And that's sort of funny. But there are all sorts of ways in our life that I think God is trying to get a hold of us, right? There's a C.S. Lewis quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but it, it's basically that, that God whispers, us, whispers to us in our joy and screams to us in our pain. That God uses the events in our lives to speak to us. So Israel notices a cloud and a pillar of fire, and they pay attention, and they follow it. And the question for you is, what is your cloud? What is your pillar of fire? What's the way that God is speaking to you in your life? You need to follow it, even if it doesn't seem to be leading you from point A to point B. 
even if it seems to go from point A to G to F to Z back to B, you need to follow what God is doing. The final thing that I think we need to learn from Israel is an interesting one. So this passage is telling us about how they get out of Egypt, how they have to go on this long route, and how they get to follow this weird GPS of a cloud and fire. And sort of tucked in the middle of this is this story of picking up bones, right? Picking up bones and carrying it with them. Now, most times in a sermon like this, you might sort of ignore that part of the passage because the point is about you know, the travel but it's a weird one, right? That they're picking up bones. And so let's read that again really quick. Uh, it says in verse, um, verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with them because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. So why did they need to carry bones? Now, mind you, it's been 400 years since Joseph made them do this been roughly 400 years of slavery. Why would they do that? Well, Joseph's story is not anything if it's not the epitome of a very long route to get where God wanted you to be. A very long and confusing route to get to where God wanted you to be. Joseph was his father's favorite son. He got a coat of many colors. And then his brothers hate him. And his brothers kidnap him, throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery. And Joseph gets pulled out of the pit, gets to Egypt, and he begins to succeed in spite of it. And then the whole issue with the Potiphar's wife happens, and Joseph gets thrown into prison for years on end, and he gets forgotten in prison. And then one day he gets out of prison, years and years later, now he's a fully grown man, and he gets put in charge of Egypt, and he saves the world. And he saves his family from a famine. The story of Joseph is the story of a man who went from where he started to where God wanted him to be, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It went through a lot of difficult, dark times. And here's sort of the idea. Carrying those bones, remembering Joseph and remembering the story, reminded them that God promises you a good life, but does not promise you an easy life. He promises you a good life in the deepest and truest sense of that word, but not an easy life. He doesn't promise that your life will go from A to B the way that you think it should, but he promises that he will be with you and guide you to where you need to go. So what this teaches us is that we need to lean on God's trustworthiness in the past. That when we wonder what God is doing and why he's leading us somewhere, we need to lean on God's trustworthiness in the past. My question for you this morning is, what story, what thing from your past do you need to take with you into dark moments? What thing, what story from your life and your walk with the Lord do you need to keep with you as you walk through a battle with cancer? as you walk through a lost job, as you walk through maybe a divorce, as you walk through whatever it is that you walk through, what do you need to lean on in those times? For Israel, it was the story of Joseph. For my family, it's a story from when my parents first went into ministry. 
My dad is a pastor, and uh, he started that way, but he wasn't always a pastor. He went to Bible college to become one, and he came home one year before he had graduated, and he preached at his church. And he preached a sermon on love, right, which is like, we all agree, we should love one another. But the church he was at was having a battle over whether or not to love a certain person. And, and the battle was really sort of coming to a head. And my dad's sermon call to love one another was the straw that broke the camel's back. And the church split. Those who disagreed went different ways. My dad was devastated by this situation. He felt like somehow his sermon on love had ruined the church in some way. And so my dad actually, through other circumstances, including that one, ran from God's call in his life. And he got married to my mom, and they pursued careers. My dad became a regional salesman for Nabisco, was doing quite well. My mom became the head nurse at a pediatric clinic and was doing quite well. They were doing great. And then one day, my older sister came to them and said, Mom, Dad, she was young, real young, so I think we need to go back to church. So my mom and dad were sort of like really convicted by this, and they went back to church. And they got saved, they rededicated their lives to the Lord, and then began to feel the call of God again. So they got involved in the youth ministry, and things were going well, but there was this like unsettling in their heart, and they felt that God was calling them to sort of let go of their careers and to dive all in to ministry. And so my dad took a job at a church. And this was a wonderful little church in Arkansas in a very small community. And this church paid my dad, by faith, a percentage of whatever came in the offering. So my dad tells the story that the week before he moved to this church, he went with a round of golf with his buddies and spent like four or $500 on this round of golf. And the next week he got paid $40. First week of this church, and he was like, Whoa, God, what are you doing? Like, this is not the path that I want to be on. But they decided to stick it out, and things do get better. But before they get better, my mom has this really dark day. She has three small children in the house, one still in diapers, my little sister, and she has no money for groceries. And so she tells the story that she was crying at the kitchen sink, mad at God because God's path for their life had led them to a place where she felt like she wasn't going to be able to feed her kids. So she was mad. So she prayed one of those angry prayers. I don't know if you've ever read the Psalms. It's okay to do that every now and then. And so she prayed one of those angry prayers to God. And at the end of the prayer, a knock came on the back door. And she opened this back door, and it was a lady she'd never met. And this lady wasn't even a Christian. This lady didn't know her. The lady didn't come to the church, and in fact, for the next three years, never came to the church. She told my mom, she said, I don't know what's going on, but when I was at the store, I just started putting things in my cart that I didn't need. I didn't know why I was doing it. And then when I was driving by your house, I just felt like I was supposed to stop and give it to you. So here it is. Like, no spiritual component to it, nothing like that. My mom sort of dumbfounded starting to get the idea of what's happening, goes in and sets it on the table. And she pulls it out. And it's everything written on my mom's list to the brand, not just item. And then it's the diapers she had forgotten to write down. 
Jesus tells the story that God said, I, I know where you are. And I remember you. And I'm with you. See, I don't know where you're at this morning. But what do you need to remember to remind yourself of God's faithfulness? What will get you through the dark times? What from your past? It may not be your own story. Maybe it's the story of a family member. Maybe it's the story like that one. But know that God is faithful and he knows where you are. Even if it seems like you're walking down a path you don't want to be on. I want to invite the worship team to come back up this morning. If I could sum up the whole sermon in sort of one sentence, this is sort of the moral of the story. Sometimes the shortest way home is the longest way around. Sometimes the shortest way to where God wants you to be is actually the longest route. You see, what God intends for your life is for you to be a Christian, to be like Christ. And if we take the Bible seriously, that, that God actually wants us, get this, to be perfect. Right? He wants us to be perfect, to be like him. And, and wouldn't you know it, if we will allow God to have his way, we will be. We will be as God intends us to be if we allow him to have our way, his way with us. But you can't turn off the GPS. And that looks like closing the Bible. That looks like disconnecting from the church. It looks like disconnecting from Christians. Plugging your ears to what God has to say in your life. You can't turn off the GPS. And then here's one more warning. Is that you can't combine multiple routes into one. You can't leave the GPS open, leave it sort of on, and yet drive your own way. Because you're just going to hear this idea that, hey, proceed to the root. Go back, go back, go back, go back. You see, if you want to get to where God wants you to be, you've got to follow his directions. Even if it seems to be leading you down a path you don't want to be in right now. Because you've got to trust that God is good. And we know that this is the way it should be because we know that this is what God experienced. That God experienced the same exact emotion, same exact trial and trouble. You see, Jesus, the form, the human form of God in the garden, walking towards what would ultimately be his death, prays to the Father and says, if there's another way, could we do that instead? If there's any other way, can we do that one instead? And so see, it's okay this morning, wherever you're at, to say, God, is there another way? It's okay. I don't know where you're at. It's okay. And, and you know what the good thing is for Jesus? In that moment, there was no other way. For us, perhaps God can guide us. But here's what Jesus did say. And here's what we have to say. Not my will, but your will be done. Like, God, I would love to be on another path, but if this is the path you have for me, so be it. I would love to not be going through this job loss. I would love to not be dealing with this sickness. I would love to not be dealing with these other things, but God, whatever it is that you have for me, I will do that. You see, when we start to add our own routes to God's routes, then we get this issue of, inviting things into it that God didn't want for you. 
We get to invite in all the problems and all the potholes and all the misdirections and all the lost time of our own accord because we simply wouldn't follow God's plan. I want you to remember that the reason God made them wander for a long time around instead of going the short route was so that they wouldn't face war too soon. You see, God may be redirecting your life in a way that you don't want to go, but you can trust that it's that God doesn't want you to face something much worse than whatever it is that you're facing. So this morning, my, my question for us is, what are we going to do? Are we going to submit to the Lord and say, God, I follow you wherever? Or are we going to turn the GPS off and go our own way? So if you would stand with me for a moment. Join Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church next time for another powerful and inspirational message. To find out more about Covenant Life Church, log on to www.covenant-life.com or call 919-462-1932. Remember, living life without direction is meaningless. Living a purpose life with direction from Jesus Christ is your life fulfilled.